Episode 5, The Dry Cleaner Done Died. Welcome to Radio War Stories. In every episode, hosts Dave Jagger and Don Nelson reach into their arsenal of decades of radio experience to entertain you with their most amusing, enthralling, and interesting stories. Suit up and get ready for today's episode. Hi, it's Radio War Stories, and it's Dave Jagger. And Don Nelson. Boy, are we happy to be here. It's great fun, having a good time with this. How you feeling today, Don? Had a little cold, I understand, a little sniffle? It, no? it comes and goes, but you know, at this point in my life, any day above the grass is great. That's so, the best place to be, absolutely. So, we have so many great stories lined up for you, and every single one of them belongs to Don Nelson. Sure it does. Sure. You know, the thing that amazes me is, is uh, we finish one of these, and then the next morning when I'm standing in the shower, I'm thinking, wow, why didn't we talk about this one? So, mm-hmm. But sooner or later, I'm sure we'll get them all together. Oh, we will. <clears throat> we, yeah. we left off uh, last trip around. I had just sort of made the journey over to Indianapolis. And before we get too far along with that, Let's go back to Quad Cities. Okay. Love the Quad Cities. Quad Cities, that's Davenport, Rock Island, Moline, East Moline, Silvis, Bettendale. It's it's a whole bunch. Yeah. Sounds more than Quad. Just as I was preparing to leave, uh, my boss, G. Laverne, came in and said, Kid, we're going to New York. By the way, he called me Kid for the rest of my life. But (laughs) why are we going to New York? He said, I have found a guy who is doing the most amazing things with sounds. And I said, what do you mean sounds? He says, doodly-doop, boop-boop, pop-pop. And I'm looking at this grown man trying to figure out what is going on. He said, the guy's name is is Bob Moog. And he's invented something. I don't even know what it is, but it's in his apartment in New York. And we're going to go in and we're going to listen to this stuff, and I think we can use it on the radio station. Wow. So off we go to New York. We meet what turns out to be Dr. Robert Moog, the inventor of the Moog synthesizer. And what he has is his very first unit in the second bedroom of his apartment. And this this thing was enormous. It literally took up the entire room. Just walls of, of funny things and cords coming out and what have you. And this was the very first Moog synthesizer. And Dr. Bob had decided a good place to start was getting his sounds on the radio. And he had just cut a deal with NBC for Monitor, which was a weekend thing that they did. And he did all of the musical beds and the intros to Monitor. And we were like his second customer. And he made sounds for us in Quad Cities and for me to take to Indianapolis. It was an exciting time. And, you know, to look back now and to see that Moog is still a huge business. Oh, yeah. Even bigger now because they're remaking a lot of those original devices. Mm-hmm. Uh, musicians right now are buying them up like crazy. The mini Moogs, the big ones like you're talking about. Of course, a lot of them have been updated with more recent electronics and things. But, yeah, they're very popular, again, with... So many musicians and uh, a lot of uh, production people for uh, sound effects for movies and so forth. We had talked earlier about the lack of any form of broadcast research uh, yeah. at this point in our lives. We just kind of shot from the hip and thought, well, you know, maybe this will work, and if it doesn't, we'll try something else. There really were also virtually no consultants at that time. 
there were uh, at that point, uh, and we're talking late '60s. Uh, at that point, a consultant was anybody who was out of work, and so they became a consultant until they got a job. <laughs> but uh, when I'm in Indy trying to figure out, and by the way, I drove from Quad Cities on the day in my 1967 Ford Mustang. Well, wait a minute, what? 67? Now, wait a minute, we went from a Hudson to a Pontiac. Right. You're styling now. I you were not. really making the big bucks if you're driving the Mustang. But if I could have kept that to today, oh. big bucks. Yeah. Big bucks. I am the 68. I know what you're talking about. But we had nobody uh, that to rely on to tell us anything about how to set up a country music radio station. Okay. There just were no consultants. So we found a guy who had an advertising agency in Nashville by the name of Bill Hudson, uh, and that agency is still in Nashville. I think it's merged now with a couple of other people, but um, I hired Hudson to be our consultant since I knew absolutely nothing about what we were doing. First thing Bill says is, you got to have country talent, okay? You can't have rock and roll guys on a country station. They'll smell you a mile away. And you just can't do that. It's got to be country folks. <laughs> I said, where do you find them? He said, oh, there's guys in Oklahoma. And, uh, okay, here we go. Oh, but boy. I, I, yeah, it makes sense to me if that's what he says. So here is a huge problem. Back in the days when I was jockeying at WQUA, uh, I was doing mornings. And the guy in afternoons was a guy by the name of Mike Hervey. And Mike Hervey changed his name to Mike Murphy. And when MidAmerica bought Indianapolis, Mike went over to do Afternoons. Okay. And Mike was a character. I mean, he was a rock jock. He was funny. Uh, he was just terrific. And my consultant said, now that guy that's in the afternoon has got to go. All right. This is... Well, now, wait a minute. This guy's a country consultant, or is he just a radio he's, he's, consultant? He's an agency guy who's, no, who, okay. who's doing the number. Yeah. But anyhow, he says, he's not country enough. He's got to go. Well, this is one of my best friends yeah. in the business. Sure. I come over. I'm the new GM. I walk in. Man, he throws his arms around me. You know, all right, Don is here. Life is going to be good. <laughs> and I'm thinking... He's got to go, and I don't want him to go, but, but you know, this is what the man said. Yeah. So, so my first day at the station, Mike and I went out, had drinks afterwards, mm. lots of them, and I couldn't talk to him about yeah. the impending doom. Sure. Next night, we go out, we have even more drinks than we had the first night, <laughs> and nothing <laughs> happened. Still trying to get the nerve up. Third night, we go out, and the drinks come, and Mike says, so how much notice do I get? Oh. <laughs> he must have heard through the grapevine. No, it wasn't a grapevine thing. It was just he just saw me be in total misery. Well, as frequently happens in the broadcast business, Mike quickly landed a job doing mornings at KCMO in Kansas City. And he became the toast of that town. Yeah, he literally Mo owned Kansas Big City. Big radio station in Kansas City. The, the, the first thing he did was come up with a St. Patrick's Day parade, uh -huh. the Mike Murphy St. Patrick's Day parade. And Mike passed a couple of years ago, uh -huh. and four Kansas City mayors uh, spoke at his wake. Wow. Okay. So, but this is the kind of stuff that goes on 
all the time in the broadcast business because we, we none of us really quite know what we're doing. So here we are now, and uh, I'm taking the advice uh, of my <coughs> consultant, and we bring in several jocks from Oklahoma. And one of them had the, the sign-off that I will never forget, which was, don't you get hurted in no way. That, that was would be how something he left. from Oklahoma. It's, yeah. yeah. We, we, uh, we started, uh, I'm getting a little ahead of myself, because when we went, changed the format, mm-hmm. I'd, I'd been there l- roughly 30 days. And the day that we changed the format, we had purchased 100 transistor radios. Oh, wow. And this was back in the time when there were actually two mail deliveries in the core areas of, of major cities. You had a morning mail delivery and an afternoon mail delivery. Okay. Okay. So the minute they did the morning pickup, we were all set with our 100 transistor radios. We turned them on, tuned them to wire 1430, put them in the bag with the proper postage on it, and drove around to every postal pickup in the core area of Indianapolis and put them in the mail for the (laughs) afternoon delivery. This was fabulous. What a great idea. This was fabulous. You walk down the street and there's country music coming out of all the mailboxes. (laughs) And people will stop and stare at the mailbox. Well, even better, think of the mailman in the afternoon. He's got five of these transistor radios in his mailbox pack. <laughs> and he can't get in. Well, he's got to deliver yeah, them. He's got to right? deliver he's, them. He's on the elevator and he's going, dare, 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 dare. It was one of the great promotions uh, of all time. Who so came up with that one? Do you remember? I have no then, idea. No, it, just, it just happened. That yeah. is a great story. Man. So, but that, that kicked us off really well. And for the first day of the format on a Sunday, we had the first wire picnic, okay, and we just picked a great big grassy park and said, come on out. There was an artist by the name of Dottie West, and Dottie uh, was a recording artist who agreed to come up, no charge, and stand on a flatbed truck and, and do a show for us for the big new country station north of the Mason-Dixon. Oh, oh, oh boy. How long did it take before... Obviously, you were doing a lot of promotions like the transistor radio thing, but uh, it couldn't have been more than just that very first ratings period, the first arbitrons that came out. Did you see a big jump? We went from worst to first in 90 days. It was the most amazing thing I've ever seen. It was because there were so few radio stations then. Remember, the FMs didn't count. Yeah. Okay. So we had four full-time AMs, four daytime. AMs in Indianapolis, eight station. Was anybody promoting as much as you guys were? Not at that point. WIFE had owned the market for right. years, and because they had owned it, they were, you know, doing what they were resting on their laurels. Absolutely. They think yeah. they needed to. Yeah. So that first wire picnic became an annual affair, and it got oh, wow. bigger and bigger and bigger every year. Uh, we continue to run that thing. But the second guy that we hired from Oklahoma, came into my office in a panic. Mm-hmm. We had a, a big show at the uh, Coliseum. I don't remember who the country act was, but uh, this jock was scheduled to MC the show. Okay. And he came in, and I said, hey, he said, Mr. Nelson. I said, yeah, he says, we got bad trouble. I said, what's going on? He says, well, you know, you, you, you gave me the money to buy a suit because we insisted our, our 
our talent be sure. dressed to the max. Absolutely. All right. Yeah. You get you gave me the money to buy a suit, and I said, yeah. And he said, well, he says I I took it to the cleaners because I wanted it to look real good for the show tonight, and I went I went to the cleaners, and there's a wreath on the door. He done died. <laughs> Here we are. Oops. <laughs> we managed to, to get him. Uh, My suit stuck in the dead cleaner place. <laughs> we managed to get him another suit, get it refitted, and get him backed up and, and rolling. Oh, but well, it, thank goodness. We don't want him out there in jeans and a sweatshirt, right? But at this point, I'm starting to have you know, really serious concern about maybe we haven't done this quite properly, and maybe what we just need is some great on-air talent. Uh-huh. And I had picked up the phone, talked to our rep, which was McGavern Guild at the time, and said, who's well, a great morning man in the Midwest? And they said, Bill Robinson, Columbus, Ohio. I said, okay, I'm going to hire Bill to come in and do mornings. Mm-hmm. And I picked up the phone, called Bill's radio station. They said, uh, he's no longer with the station. He just took a job as general manager of a station in Michigan. All right, so back to the drawing board, and we looked, and we looked, and we looked, and we just couldn't find the talent for that morning show. So finally, I caved and hired a headhunter. The guy says, I got just the guy for you. It'll cost you $1,500 for the introduction. And I said, okay, who is he? He says, his name is Bill Robinson. (laughs) And he took a job as general manager, and he hates it. He wants to go back on the air. (laughs) $1,500 later, I got the guy that I was trying to hire. And this is a guy that's become a longtime friend of yours. Bill Bill was uh, probably one of the most outstanding air talents I've ever worked with. He was our program director uh, from, from the time he walked in the door. An incredible on-air talent, an incredible program director, and somebody who helped me from day one to get the right people in the right place at the right time. At that point, then Lee Shannon came in. Uh, Lee had worked for us, actually, in Quad Cities uh, under a different name, uh, but we brought him in as the midday talent. Then we found Ken Speck, uh, who was in Akron, and uh, Ken had a little country band at the time, uh, and was also uh, an excellent MC guy. And so that was our, our makeup. What happened to the guy from Oklahoma? Did he finally uh, just not uh, the make Oklahoma the contingent or, yeah. um, caught the next bus back to back Oklahoma. Oklahoma? I mean, clearly, uh, this was a, just not the way to go yeah. about it. Your consultant, obviously, there was incorrect. And, and as we know now, you don't need to have country-sounding people doing sure. country radio. But the one thing that was, has stuck in my head from day one, going back to my mentor, GLF, mm-hmm. who said, if you come into a facility and there is somebody there already who's not going to work out, that's on your predecessor. But if you hire somebody and they don't work out, that's on you. <laughs> and that has always stuck with me. Okay. So, Mike Murphy really wasn't on me, in spite of the fact I wasn't smart enough to hang on to it. <laughs> but the Oklahoma guys were on me. So, from that point on, we had to make really, really sure about the folks we hired. Sure. And we had no change in our daytime air staff. For- That's a good indicator of a good general manager hiring the right people. If they're there for that long, uh, 
It was almost like that for me when I was in Victoria in South Texas and my semi-mentor and tutor, or tutor uh, Bob Woodman. And it was kind of the same thing. When we went in there, at one point when we moved the Top 40 signal over to FM, finally in the uh, early 70s, mid-70s, he had uh, put a signal on. We had another automated AM station, and it was country. We were going to put country on that one. So the uh, funny thing about it was before all that happened, when Jerry, my wife, came to work over at the radio station, before we could get her a slot on the top 40, she was doing mornings while I was doing mornings on the AM. She was doing it on KCWM-FM. Who had the better ratings? I did. Oh, okay. But... <laughs> That started to change because FM was really coming in at the time. So she's, when the books came out, she was like, wow, look what I did. And I'm just sitting in here. Here it is, and this is, and that was, and here's the weather. Uh, but we put the uh, AM station, went to country. And uh, when he did that, everybody was just, I don't want to have to mess with that. We were top 40 rock jocks. We didn't want to have to mess with messing with that AM. But we had to. If we were on the air, there was a... It was not live assist all day, only in morning drive and, and afternoons. So Bob had a big meeting one day, and we all gathered in the conference room there. And, and uh, he said, all right, he started testing us. He said, who sings which, such and such song? And everybody just sat there and looked at it. All right, what about the such and such song? Who sings that song? Who's the artist that does that? just all sat there and looked at it. We didn't know. We didn't listen to the radio station. We were rock jocks. We were top 40 guys. And so he got really mad. And all he did was he just clapped his hands and he glared at us and said, People, we have to learn this country music. <laughs> and we just looked at him. Okay, Bob. Whatever you say, boss. Whatever you say, Bob. Meeting over now. <laughs> but we finally had to do it, and then he started to hire some more people for the live assist, and they then that was their radio station. At the same time you were going through that, I was sitting in Indianapolis with an AM only when FM is starting to come, and all of my competitors had FM sticks. So I went to corporate, said, we got to get us an FM. And I got the sob story of a lifetime of, of the fact that they put an FM on the air in their hometown in the early days, and it cost them a fortune, and they finally just gave it back because they couldn't, wow. make, couldn't make any money on it. And they said, we're just not going to spend money on that. And I said, well, then I'm probably going to have to leave because I can't compete with, with an AM-only stick. Mm -hmm. And they said, well... If you feel that strongly about it, you know, all right, go buy the damn thing. <laughs> and uh, we ended up meeting with Jeff Smullyan's father. Jeff, of course, is the current longtime head of Emmis Communication. Jeff was a student in Southern California at the time. When he came back and found out his dad had sold off the FM station, he was really not happy. Oh, but we spent uh, quite a bit of time together talking radio when he did come back. So we bought our FM from mm -hmm. uh, Smullyan's combination of a daytime AM and the FM, and that became WXTZ. All right, so you didn't simulcast. I was thinking you were going to move that over to that signal. WXTZ, ecstasy, all music, all the time. Oh, boy. There was a guy by the name of Jim Shokey who was the hottest guy in the beautiful yeah. music format in the world. Yeah. And we'll pick that up next time around. 
All right, we will. Jim Schulke, keep that in mind. We'll talk about that next time. And we'll see you then. Hey, adios. Thanks for listening to Radio War Stories. Make sure to rate, review, and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Like us on Facebook at Radio War Stories and call in with your questions or comments here or on Skype. Skype at RadioWarStories.com. We look forward to hearing from you. See you next week. Thank you.